ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Direct Xbox number 10. We've made it to the double digits and a great time too because an overwhelming amount of stuff happened this week for Xbox. There's a lot of games that are all of a sudden popping up for this platform and they actually didn't have too bad of a time at the Game Awards either. So lot to go over here today. And of course, I have the usual co-host. That's Nate the Hate. Yes, it's been a very busy week for Xbox fans. Lots of exciting news for everyone who prefers this brand. So we have a lot to go over this week. That is for sure. Yeah, the Game Awards came through. There was some exciting stuff in there. Um, but I do have some questions and even some controversy that's broken out on one particular announcement is what I'll say there. And we have a whole bunch of stuff from the past, although the name might not be sold as much on it. We'll see. And we had the reveal of a lifetime in gaming. That's Grand Theft Auto 6. that has absolutely exploded online with over 130 million views on the trailer alone from Rockstar. So we'll go over all that here today. I did want to, of course, give a shout out to some of the good folks, executive producers over on the Spawncast Network. You can check it out, spawncastnetwork.com, patreon.com slash spawncast. Got William Hogue, Mr. Job, Joshua Butts, John O, Achievement, and our sponsor, once again for this month, is the Game Orb. You got to check out their YouTube channel. It is linked down below. They've been playing all kinds of games, recording footage, overall commentary, just having fun with these games, and then also going out to a bunch of different conventions. So they post that stuff up on YouTube, as well as stream games over on Twitch. So I have that link down below. Make sure you go check that out. I got to give a shout out to the Game Orb for sticking with us. November and December as a sponsor here on the Spawncast Network. So shout out to the Game Orb. So, Nate, I do want to. I feel like we should just start with Grand Theft Auto Six because that. I mean, that was the first thing this week that happened. It was that kicked it off, and it kicked it off earlier than it was supposed to. It well, it was supposed to release on Tuesday in the morning, and well, somebody decided to leak it. I have no idea how that happened, although there are some running theories that maybe don't upload it to YouTube early. Like don't, don't just leave the, the, the video file on their servers because something that high profile, I mean, I'm not saying an employee at YouTube necessarily took the trailer and passed it around, but it's vulnerable is what I'll say uh, in that position where it's just sitting there on a, on a server at YouTube. Yeah. That's probably something that they will, Consider when they inevitably do trailer number two, that they won't have it as a premiere event and have it live for, I mean, how many days was it, was it live? Almost. Oh my gosh. It was like, it was, it was like a, almost, it was a week, right? Yeah. Maybe not do a week. Maybe do the night before. I feel like, okay, come on. They can upload. It was a 90 second trailer. How big is that file? It's not that big. It, they could have uploaded it an hour before and it would have been fine. <laughs> two hours before like it would have been there it would have processed YouTube, you they probably could have even talked to youtube and got like mm -hmm. it, like priority processing and stuff for it i i don't know it's it seems odd that they were like all right we're good let's leave it there for a week yeah they definitely could have gone about it a little better than they had but we ended up getting the trailer a whole we what did. about 15 hours earlier than originally planned and it still was able to shut down the internet everyone had just stopped and watched mm -hmm. the trailer and we got our first look at the two protagonists. We got the general tone and setting of the game, which is Vice City and some of the surrounding areas. And I'd say generally that the reception has been quite positive. There's 
a lot of Easter eggs that people have been looking at. They're finding the in-life references that the trailer was <laughs> referring to. <Florida>. And <laughs> one of the individuals, the Joker, I think he is called from Florida, who was mm. the inmate that was shown in the trailer, has put out a tweet saying, Rockstar, we need to talk. And people are wondering, what exactly is he going to talk to Rockstar about? The intro, okay. I, I don't know. Is it because there was obviously a parody of like the tattoos and stuff that, mm -hmm. that they had? I don't know. Maybe did they get a little too close with one of them? And they're like, I'm copywriting my likeness or something. I don't know. It seems weird that it would be like we got to talk, but yeah, I mean, I'd be part of it. I mean, maybe that's the path that the individual is going to go in saying, hey, you don't have permission to use my likeness, even though it's not a one to one likeness. They're just referencing the wild hair mm -hmm. color, the tattoos. And if it is a parody, I don't think he really has a case here. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes, though. I would imagine it's probably going to go nowhere. Yeah, prob probably not. Take two. They're they're very good at litigation and uh, shutting things down. So I'm sure they're probably pretty good at defending themselves as well. <laughs> uh, this this, though, the trailer, it's there's been a lot of questions around it because it looks a little too good to be true visually i think people are looking at this going wow okay like the the scene where the the one girl turns around and her hair kind of flips around her shoulders and stuff that is some of the craziest like hair physics and and just representation of flowing hair i think i've ever seen in a video game and when you see that kind of stuff and then the quick shots they were doing over like the fun little social media posts at times it looks real it looks like Someone's actually videotaping a, a real event happening right now. And the thing that's interesting about Rockstar Games, if you look at Grand Theft Auto 5, that original trailer, it actually, the visuals got better when they got to release of the game. So, yeah, I don't I mean, know if that's going to happen here too, but I mean, those are some incredible graphics for what's going to be a large, detailed world. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the trailer was definitely in-engine at minimum. I would say it was likely real-time. And when you look at the individual when she is flipping her hair, if you look closely towards the bottom, you mm -hmm. can see a little bit of pixelation. Yes, it's so like breaking up when it moves. Yeah. yeah, so that's clear that they weren't doing a cinematic scene and then they were going into post-processing and cleaning up the image. This was something that they had captured likely on a PC and they've strung together a very impressive trailer. But visually, this is the leap that I think everyone was expecting from Grand Theft Auto V to Grand Theft Auto VI. It has been a decade in the making, so expectations were high, and you really had to impress with the visuals. And when they panned into the Everglades, and you saw the flamingos and such, that was a nice shot. You saw nice lighting, you saw detailed grass in the wetlands, and the flamingos themselves looked well detailed. So that's exactly what you want to see with a Grand Theft Auto game, especially when we still have, you know, likely 15 to 18 months still for the game to release. But I think the game is going to go down as likely one of the best looking games of the current generation. Yeah, I, I, I love the trailers. I, it's only 90 seconds long, but they I mean, it was cut after cut after cut. Each each scene they showed was maybe three to four seconds on screen. It was very, very quick. So they jammed a lot of information into those 90 seconds and i do like the initial setup that they're showing and grand Theft Auto 5 is is fine for its story i think for example trevor turns some people off in terms of his character and like i think i, mean, I think michael it, for me an in, interest in the characters 
outside of them just being comic relief like Trevor. It's probably like most people are probably going to look at Michael or Franklin as like their most interesting character out of them. And then Trevor's like at the, the bottom. He's just there to basically be the, I guess, the Sean of the group. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, I mean, he's 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 funny in spurts and stuff, but there are times where you do control him for a while and it's like, OK, this, his character is getting a little in the way, if you will. It's very, very abrasive. Um, but when he has those moments where he just randomly pops out of nowhere and like does some crazy thing, then it's like, OK, uh, I, I get it. It it breaks up some of the monotony um, for these other characters. But I like the path they're going here with kind of the Bonnie and Clyde setup because it, it just initially from like, I mean, they were on screen for. 10 seconds maybe uh it feels significantly different than the relationship that was trying to be put up with like michael franklin and trevor the issue we have right now though is nate ha has no idea what i'm talking about because he's never played grand theft auto 5 nope and i'm okay with that because after i can't seeing believe the... you're okay with that that's that's actually impressive I'm okay. to me. after seeing the trailer for grand theft auto 6 i am far more interested in the story of lucia than anything you just talked about from five Wow, that's interesting. I see. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised you played Grand Theft Auto Four though, mm -hmm. but not Five. No. Nope. Huh. I'm actually I, like I'm, I'm shocked. I guess. I mean, I mean, so many people have bought the game. So many people have played the game. It's released multiple times across three generations now. It's even in Game Pass, and you weren't, you never were like, you know, maybe I'll download this thing and just try it. Nope. Huh. Interesting. Still well, there's won't. time. There's time, Nate. There's time. No, there's I'm going to wait for Grand Theft Auto 6. Let me see all the growth and improvements Rockstar has made to the formula. See wait, if how they would you know if there's finally... growth? You haven't played 5. I played 4. I've seen four the shooting. So I've seen the shooting in 5, and it's still from 2003. So now I'm hopeful that they can get the shooting down in Grand Theft Auto 6, and I will go into that game with excitement and enjoy the ride that Lucia and company have in store for us. <sighs> I, I'm just, it, it is uh, impressive to me that you weren't, you weren't interested in Grand Theft Auto 5 at all with how popular it was. I mean, I, it still, it still holds up like the, it, it's definitely aged. You can tell at times that it is a, an Xbox 360 game, but it's still very detailed. Like it's still a very impressive game to experience even now. Uh, and I mean, with this one, we're going to vice city. So that has people very, very excited. Uh, I am. I mean, we haven't been back to vice city in forever, right? We, we have, we're there on the PS two. Um, but now they, they have multiple universes and we had the 2d universe, the 3d universe. Now we're in the HD universe. This would be the first time we've gone back to vice city in the HD universe. So mm -hmm. I, it's, it's going to be mayhem. It's Florida. They're going to do some wild parody, yeah. all kinds of stuff in this thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're already parroting. I believe it's the redneck underground a redneck farm or something which is in the trailer you saw the individuals rolling driving and dealing with the mud and such and we saw the strip clubs we saw a little bit more of the just a club scene and the club scene in vice city back on the playstation 2 was really iconic but that was during the 1980s where you know you had drugs and awesome 80s music rocking around basically scarface so i'm going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how they approach vice city in a modern day setting and as we saw in the trailer it seems as though social media is going to play a 
big role in how things play here. And I'm sure we're going to get updates on how Florida Man is probably going to be a running parody gag in the game. I, I want to see how that social media really plays into the game. Is that going to affect certain you know criminal activities that you're partaking in? Is it going to, when you're, let's say you're in a high-speed chase, could individuals maybe spot you and film you with their phones and that's going to allow the cops to pursue you more heavily? Or is it just going to be more of a passing thing of we're just going to get quick flash and updates as we're playing the game of just miscellaneous events occurring throughout the state of, I believe it is Leonida? Leonida, yeah. Leonida. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, I, the, the social media is going to play a huge role in, in this game. Um, so I, I, I think they showed it a lot for a reason. So I, I don't know if w maybe we have our own TikTok account. Maybe you scroll through it or they'll call it some other. They're going to call it something weird. It's not going to be called TikTok, but uh, I'm sure they'll make fun of that. They'll probably make fun of streamers. They'll probably make fun of people on YouTube. It, it'll be a whole thing. Uh, they're going to mm -hmm. heavily go in on all of that, I feel like. Uh, so they were kind of teasing that in the trailer itself where they were showing a lot of the influencer vibes where you had the individual filming his girlfriend or a friend twerking on the beach. And then mm -hmm. you had the girl twerking on top of a car. And even the, even the girl at the pool who did a flip around in some knockoff Louis Vuitton, that's very clearly influencer lifestyle. So I wonder if we're just going to be robbing and knocking off influencers who keep posting to social media and making themselves oh, easy targets. Oh, that's a, that's a fun theory. I like that. Okay. So we're Bonnie and Clyde going around scoping out these like mansions through social media and and knocking off their 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 place for a bunch of money that's mm -hmm. a cool idea yeah you're um, out there online you're boasting you're bragging about everything that you have so here comes lucia and she's like you're not having that anymore i have nothing and i'm gonna take it from you that's that's a fun idea i like that that that'd be that would actually be pretty cool i know gta 5 went in some wild wild situations and like side quests and that's the part that would usually get the craziest is you'd find a random person on the street and it would turn into a whole thing. So, I mean, at one point you're manipulating the stock market and just getting like pharmaceuticals and stuff and just getting a ton of money that way. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun, but 2025, think sec second half, you think first half. I'm thinking first half of 2025 right now. Okay. Okay. First half, uh, maybe like a like a nice nice April or March release. Get it. Get in there just during the fiscal year. Try to get in there. Either make the fiscal year or start off your fiscal year with the game. So sure. end strong or start strong, and that may be dependent on how their upcoming fiscal year goes. If they have a strong coming fiscal year, they may not feel the need to get Grand Theft Auto Five in at March. Whereas if they had a weaker fiscal year, they might try to push that March release date. So if it's strong, they can wait till April. If it's weak, they try for March. Okay. Okay. I also noticed that this is not coming to PC at this time, at least just from the press release they put out. It could obviously change since it's not out to 2025. Who knows? Maybe they just f figure out a way to get it to PC in time. But based on their history, they'd release on console. And then like a year later or so, it would show up on PC. And let's be real it's probably in their mind we'll get people to buy it twice i feel like it worked because grand theft auto 5 sold a stupid amount of copies so apparently they're right with that but mm -hmm. interesting that it's xbox series and ps5 because i feel like sony and microsoft can both benefit from this heavily with 
Microsoft having their Series S, it's going to the the quote unquote the budget system. Uh, it feels like there's gonna be a lot of people who maybe rush out to get a system for GTA Six, and they see the Series S for I don't know who knows two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars at that time, and they just get that with Grand Theft Auto, or this helps Sony sell what we believe is going to happen next year, and that being the PlayStation Five Pro. Maybe the enthusiasts go, you know what? I want the best looking mm. Grand Theft Auto experience. I'm buying the $600 system because let's face it, I'm going to buy hundreds of dollars with shark cards over the next year anyway. See, of those two scenarios, I would say it may favor Microsoft in a stronger position only because we don't know what type of advantage the PlayStation 5 Pro may have with Grand Theft Auto 6. Rockstar isn't really a company who's going to go out of their way and necessarily make the PlayStation 5 Pro version better by default. I don't think they're going to come out with a patch immediately. Because when we look at their history, they had only done this for, I believe, Grand Theft Auto 5 in a certain sense. But that was after, that's when they brought them to multiple systems, like their next-gen patch. Right? Have they ever come out and patched a game just for a system revision? We really haven't had that scenario play out much. I mean, I guess the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if they had anything with that. I'd have, to, I'd have to go back and look for like a press release or an announcement with that. Or somebody could tell us in the comments. But I feel like I feel like something happened with that. Uh, or maybe it was unnecessary because when they went up to the, the Xbox One and the PS4 there, he did some extra stuff anyway with it. And it's like, it works either way. It'll just, it'll just hit the, the cap for frame rate and it'll just, the resolution will never sway with these mm -hmm. new systems or these revisions. I I feel like though, if I'm Sony, I would come in and say, Hey, let's, let's get this done. Let's make this work. Cause this is good. This is going to sell PS five pros. And if I'm Microsoft, I'm going to come in and be like, let's make sure this thing works really well on the series S let's get that done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Cause the series I, S could be a huge mover of Grand Theft Auto 6. So as you said, mm -hmm. it's really the budget entry console of the generation. And when Grand Theft Auto 6 does come out in 2025, the price of a Series S could be $100 less than it is today. So if you're one of those fringe type of fans, or even if you're just an up and coming teenager and you wanna play the game, you're going to look at the Series S at say $200, $250 and say, this is very appealing. I wanna play it for this one game. So this makes a lot of sense versus buying a system for $350, $400, or $500, be it a Series X or a PlayStation 5 or a PS5 Pro. So the Series S definitely could be in a very advantageous position when the game comes out, but it's going to come down to the reception that the game has on the Series S. Is it going to perform well? Is it going to look at least satisfactory? And if they hit that goal, and given it's Rockstar, I don't see Rockstar releasing and in a vastly inferior version on the Series S. They're going to make sure that the game is up to a certain quality. Yes, we can look at some of their recent efforts like the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy Collection and say Rockstar doesn't care about standards, but those were cheap ports. That wasn't something that they really had to prioritize. To fair, Grand Theft Auto 6 is a massive remember, release. Yeah, I know, I know you didn't play it, but do you, do you remember anything about GTA 5 when it came out? It definitely ran at like mm -hmm. 20 something frames on the PS3 and the 360 back then. <laughs> that was that was a long time ago, obviously. Uh, and technology has advanced quite a bit. And maybe it's caught up to what uh, Rockstar wants to do because GTA 5 was absolutely stressing. It was just too big for those consoles. Remember, those consoles ran on for a while. Way too big for those consoles. And it, it, GTA 5, I feel like fit 
way better on the Xbox One and the PS4. And I almost think if Rockstar could have had their way and just developed for the PS4 and the Xbox One without having to think of any money or install base, I feel like that's where they would have put it. But they pushed it out the door on that 360 and PS3. While it was impressive, it definitely ran like that. It was the last year for those systems. So hopefully they're not going to try to, you know, cram some messy, buggy, glitch-filled Grand Theft Auto 6 on the Series S. Because if it does come in quality, that could be the system that they move millions of copies on. And, you know, Microsoft would be thrilled with that. Rockstar would be thrilled with it. And that may be a play that Microsoft tries to utilize when it comes time for bidding in the marketing rights to Grand Theft Auto 6. Because as we saw with the initial trailer, nobody has the marketing rights right now. And I would imagine that was deliberate, that Rockstar wanted to announce the game first, put out that trailer, and then say, Sony, Microsoft, you see what we have? Come to us with the offers. You know what's interesting? GTA 6 is big enough to where I almost wonder if they could get marketing deals from both both sides with one pushing their Series S and the other pushing their PS5 Pro. I almost wonder if that's possible. It's like, okay, we're going to do a case-by-case basis. Here's when the next trailer is coming out. Who wants marketing on the trailer? <laughs> like, I yeah. that would be... I don't, I, GTA 6 is its own thing. It, you can't compare it to any anything else. So I almost wonder if we could see mm-hmm. some weird stuff like that happening just because Take-Two as... The, I mean, they got it. Like... <laughs> What are you gonna do? Not market on this thing? Well, okay, yeah, we'll take that trailer, or we'll take this spot in the Super Bowl, or we'll take this spot here during this event. I, it's multi-platform. We all know it at this point, but it's like who can put their logo where? You know how much does yeah, it cost? Yeah, that's gonna cost whichever company gets the marketing rights a lot of money, likely in the area oh, yeah. of hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more. I don't think it's gonna hit a billion, but you're probably in that mid hundred million dollar range of these companies making their bids and saying, this is what we can offer you. Microsoft can come in and say, we have two platforms. We can offer you, you know, that type of marketing. Microsoft and Sony can come in and say, we have the PlayStation 5, we have the PlayStation 5 Pro. We can show you the best version of the game with the Pro potentially. And Sony kind of has a very easy thing at their corner. We're the best selling of the two platforms. Where are you going to sell the most copies? Likely on our platform. Unless Microsoft is willing to write a substantial check or a Game Pass deal, I think Sony has the advantage right now when it comes to securing the marketing rights. How much did... Okay, so Horizon and what, Last of Us Part 2, those cost $230 million, right, to make something like that? Mm-hmm. Is is Grand Theft Auto 6 marketing, in your mind, worth the money it costs to build one of those games outright? potentially yes like if it put it in front of you it's like look we can either build another one of these games here in-house or we get the marketing mm-hmm. with our logo on grand theft auto 6. when you probably look at the sales potential of grand theft auto 6 and then you factor in gta gta online and then you factor in the microtransactions that gta online will bring your platform from your 30 percent cut you'd probably make back that 250 million dollar investment in what it's not gonna be it's not gonna take long (laughs) yeah and in just a few years and if you're that company you want to have that revenue stream and to fans you know to the community it's going to sound crazy of you're willing to bid 
the budget of what you could make a blockbuster AAA game to secure the rights of a multi-platform game just in terms of marketing, but the potential to make hundreds of millions of dollars year over year for how long is Grand Theft Auto 6 going to last? 10 years? 10 years. I bet you it's a 10 year game. Yep. That could be what's like interesting that investment too, also consider this nothing. nate you're mentioning that the the microtransactions you need an mm-hmm. online subscription with them to to play the game mm-hmm. you got to pay for playstation plus or xbox lot or game yeah. pass core and that's the thing it's it's one of those compounding long-term investments where yeah at the moment it's this is going to cost us 500 million dollars to secure the marketing rights but if we make a billion dollars or more over the next 10 years on the game through microtransactions, online subscriptions and such, it works out in your favor. It's just a large check to write at the onset, hoping that the long-term gamble is beneficial for you. So which company has that money sitting in a war chest that they're willing to spend? I mean, Microsoft would probably do it. Must be real. They, 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 I'm sure they could outbid Sony. It's just, do they want to like, do they feel that it's necessary right. for them to sell more mm-hmm. Xboxes? Now, like that's the, we're going to get into that soon with Microsoft at their Xbox representation, I'll say, but uh, that's coming to question a bit with some of the recent reveals. And maybe this is another test for them to see if they're willing to put up the money to put the Xbox logo somewhere. But G- hey, GTA six, we can get we'll get Nate on it. That'll be exciting. We'll play Grand Theft Auto after mm-hmm. we'll end up being like 15 years. <laughs> hey, waiting for the good one. Uh, okay, well, hey, G- what GTA five is good. That's a good game. Uh, mm-hmm. And and hey, we'll be able to play. Uh, we'll play GTA online, too, or whatever they end up calling it. We'll see about that one. OK, that's fine. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the game awards because this was this this was an interesting one for Microsoft. They showed up with some pretty good reveals. Nate even tried to give some people some hints and and stuff for it. So uh, that that ended up happening, which is which is pretty exciting because I'm curious what this game's going to look like. But I do want to I do want to start with the game award winners that Microsoft had. They had Hi-Fi Rush as best audio design. They had Forza Motorsport getting two awards, Best Sports and Racing and Innovation and Accessibility. So they took home three awards from what I counted, which is, that's I mean, that's pretty good. I I think they ended up taking home more awards than Sony, actually, which I think surprised some people. But yeah, Microsoft came home with some trophies. Uh, and the big award, obviously, at the end of the show was Baldur's Gate 3, that one game of the year. And this was tied to Microsoft because while they were giving their speech at the end, they were supposed to announce <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3 was now available for Xbox. <laughs> and they forgot, Such. apparently. They said it on Twitter. They forgot. How do you forget that you're shadow dropping the game you just won, Game of the Year, on the Xbox <laughs> platform? I well, mean, I won't say they forgot. I think they were rushed off stage because of Jeff Keighley's no, Please I think wrap it up prompt. And how I think they said forget? they forgot on Twitter. I feel like they said they forgot. But even if you're like check. caught up in the emotion of the win, wouldn't that be something you have written down or at least it's in your mind of, oh yeah, we're also launching the game on Xbox tonight, so please go play it. And they had just run an ad for Boulder's Gate 3 about five minutes before the award was given. Yeah, I feel like they, the person who was up there doing this, I think, I feel like they tweeted something about it. And they're like, yeah, I forgot to, I forgot to make the announcement. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. Uh, let me see. It's such a weird turn of events that your whole plan is to shadow drop the game during the game awards and you just never mention it. 
Let's see. This is here we go. Yeah, uh, this is from the uh, uh, Larat Larian, Larat Larian. Uh, said I had one job, and that was to announce that this, if we won an award, sorry, all but happy it's out there. Quote tweeting the Xbox announcement on Twitter. <laughs> That's as the person who wore the uh, the armor up the stage. Their their apparently their job was to announce that it's available now on Xbox. All you could say is you got caught up in the emotion of the win, and it just skipped your mind. But man, I mean. The wrap it up sign was probably flashing. Let's be real. It was it was hitting everyone. You kind of figure that would be the one award that they wouldn't have the wrap it up sign. If it's they the want end to of the talk show. for a Who minute, cares? let them talk for a minute. It's up to them. People in the audience can get up and leave. It's the end of the show. So let them say what they have to say. But to not announce the game just shadow dropped. Is... Yeah, does Jeff like does Jeff think he's on TV still where they have a, a, a hard cutoff time for the next show? Do people have to get out of their seats because they're closing down the arena? I don't understand why the wrap up sign was flashed so quickly. Like, what is it with this? The, uh, he already kept us there for almost four hours. What's another 10 minutes? Who cares? Like, he must have like that... a hard cutoff time. It's like, I have to be out of here by 11 p.m. We have to get the cleanup crews in. They have to be out by midnight. If we stay a minute longer, I have to pay them more, and I'm not doing that. I'm pocketing as much money as I can from this show, and I refuse to spend any extra <laughs> to keep us here for an extra day or an extra 25 minutes. Oh, I, I, Yeah, unfortunate circumstances there because that actually would have been a pretty big announcement for Microsoft, and the person just forgot. So there you go but it is available now it's up on the xbox store it is 70 dollars. so there you go people can go check out Baldur's gate 3 and i guess it is available on the series s minus the split screen otherwise it's feature complete and it's there don't know how it runs yet i, I haven't i haven't tried it on the series s nothing like that but i am curious i wanted to ask this before we get into i wrote <laughs> wrote down all the announcements because obviously the xbox with third party got a lot of stuff there too but I wanted to ask you, Nate, what do you think? You think Microsoft's got three awards this year. Do they get more or less awards next year? More. Okay, you think more than three? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, okay. okay. I, I mean, can't envision any 2024 where Microsoft would get less than they had in 2023. Because I don't, like, Spider-Man didn't get any awards at this show. And was, pretty good game. Uh, but I'm looking at up and down for Sony, and they really they didn't get anything at the award show, really. I think The Last of a Show, I guess, that counts. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this year had very strong competition. Next year, we'll have quality competition as well. But Microsoft's lineup, I think, is just going to be far stronger than what they had this year. Okay. And they're going to find themselves in more categories than what they were this year. And I think they're going to win a few more awards next year so that whole discussion about xbox tax and stuff that happened this year will probably be completely mooted by next year yeah, how'd that happen hold on how do we have xbox tax and then they won more awards of the show than sony <laughs> well i guess i guess the sony mm. tax must come through i haven't checked twitter is mm. sony tax trending i don't think so i i think you're right though i think it'll i think it'll be better than three mostly because i feel like they have a, actually a pretty good shot at being in the game of the year category mm-hmm. this time as opposed to starfield unfortunately missing the cut but i think i think next yeah. year they're going to have a, a especially one game which we'll get to here soon that i am 
there's a lot for me. I looked up and down the list of a lot of these announcements. There's some weird stuff going on here, Nate. I say I pulled two of the mm. announcements and I put them outside of this because I think there's more discussion to go into there. But I, I'm just going to start rattling off some of these and we'll stop at some of the big ones uh, with Monster Hunter Wilds 2025. That big announcement, right? You could say it's the biggest announcement of the night for a lot of people because obviously Monster Hunter has that huge audience behind it. And it did get the Xbox logo there at the end. Mm -hmm. It's uh, as Capcom setting themselves up again. Capcom has just been rolling. I mean, just absolutely rolling. It's ridiculous to see in motion right now. Uh, yeah. We did, they just show up on stage with, oh yeah, RE4. Yeah, we know that's in the game of the year conversation. Oh yeah, Dragon's Dogma Two is that's coming up here soon. And then you know what? Here's Monster Hunter Wild. It's like, what is going on here with Capcom? <laughs> yeah, pretty much every single year they know they have one major release that's going to review well, sell well, and likely be in the conversation come end of the year. And that trend is going to continue. They are just a finely tuned machine at this point, especially after struggling so much during the PS360 generation. And even the early portion of the Xbox One PlayStation 4 generation, it really took to, I'd say, Monster Hunter. It was World, right? For them that to really make like that, yeah. That's where they turned things around and said, okay, we know what we have to focus on. We know the games we have to revisit and really bring to our audience. And ever since about 2018, Capcom has been basically unstoppable. And every year, you know they're going to bring something of quality. And now we know what their next two years entail, at least in terms of major AAA games. We have Dragon's Dogma in March, and then we have Monster Hunter in 2025. And they'll have some smaller releases you know, scattered in throughout 2024. But they're in a very strong position now. And Capcom is kind of... It feels as though they're returning to that golden age that we grew up with when Capcom was a premier developer on the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2. Yeah, I, Monster Hunter Wilds looks interesting. I saw the seasons kind of changed a bit. It looked like they had almost just, just real-time weather, lightning striking all over the place. That could have some effects in battle. But otherwise, they said they're going to show more. Summer 2024 kind of makes me think this might be a first half of 2025 release because maybe they... Mm -hmm do a big blowout showcase for it around like summer game fest. And then it's just like, Hey, we're, we're now on the road with marketing and stuff to drop this thing. Maybe first it might be a March, 2025 release somewhere in there. So that's what I would anticipate. Cause we have dragon's dogma coming out in March. So I would mm -hmm. think monster hunter wild is going to mirror that for 2025. It's going to be that game that Capcom looks to end their fiscal year on a strong note and then have the oh, sales of the game carry into the new fiscal year until they inevitably drop something like, Resident Evil Code Veronica remake oh. in March of 2026. So you don't think they just go right to Resident Evil 5 who gives Code Veronica first? Code Veronica is pretty important to the storyline leading up to 5. So you have to tell that story first. But they could also give us Resident Evil 9 first. There's oh. tons of options they could go. But I want to play Code Veronica. Mega Man that X9? Is... Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, no one wants Mega Man. But <laughs> oh, man. Like, Code Veronica is... I see the more interesting remake they could do. Not that hmm. it's a bad game, but it's a quite a polarized game where there's a lot of haters for it. So if you can take Code Veronica, make it a game that reviews well, high 80s, low 90s, that people love, I want to see it. I want okay. to revisit Code Veronica in a modern feel with the visuals and controls because there's a lot of good ideas in Code Veronica. And with Resident Evil 4 Remake, we kind of got the first introduction, at least in modern releases. 
to Wesker. And Wesker is a big role in 5, so you need to see his actions in Code Veronica before you can remake 5. Well, after Monster Hunter Wilds, we did get Sega, I have written down here, with five returning intellectual properties. This is, they sent out those postcards, which I have one here. And I mean, I, I didn't think they would show up with five. I don't think anyone really did, like, say, weeks ago, think, oh, yeah, and the end of this uh, next month, Sega is going to randomly announce five intellectual properties at the Game Awards, all returning ones, legacy ones at this point. Even Jeff was like, Okay, I don't, I don't know. Sega, it's Sega. What do you want me to do? Like, they did not expect that. So, Jet Set Radio, Shinobi, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, and Crazy Taxi at the bottom of the card. They said and more. So, okay, Sega. I, I'm still I'm a little curious as to what brought this on for them to say we got to get this, we got to get out there now and show this. But a lot of excitement because when you see a screenshot like this and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, Jack Ryan Radio actually is coming back. Uh, I, I think it, I think it kind of hits some people with some nostalgia and then they just all of a sudden exploded into excitement. That was at least Sean. He was making a lot of noises on stream. Yeah, he was making a lot of weird noises and squealing and such. And I mean, yeah, as a Sega fan, especially a Sega fan that I would say grew up with or has fond memories of the Dreamcast, I'd say this announcement carries a lot of excitement with it. Unfortunately, as a Sega fan, since the Dreamcast, I've become jaded. Because mm. every time they seem to come out with a exciting announcement of promise, they inevitably do something to screw it up. And that's yeah. where like this is almost too good to be true. It gives me flashbacks to the Sony E3 conference where they announced Shenmue 3. And then immediately following the conference, we find out it's a Kickstarter project. But at the moment, it's like, oh my God, they're bringing back Shenmue. Yeah, it's a Kickstarter project. And then we got Shenmue 3. And they could have stopped at Shenmue 2. Well, <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of the concern right now is how do they pull some of these off? One that I'm not at all concerned about is Shinobi. That game looks really cool. Just the art style for it. You know what this this yeah, shot here reminded perfect. me of when they showed it in motion? I thought of Akami right away when I saw it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, whoa, that has like that that watercolor kind of look to it almost. It's like flowing on screen really well there with the motion. Uh, it it looks really, really cool. So I think mm -hmm. to me, if I had to take a pick and be like, OK, this is the one that they'll probably get right is Shinobi. That to me has the best odds. Yes, Shinobi, I would say, has by far the best odds of being the game that they do justice with. My concern with some of the other games like Crazy Taxi and Jet Grind, Jet Set Radio is are they going to push some sort of online component, be it a live service, games as a service type element to those games that would just take away so much excitement for them? Because when you look at Crazy Taxi, we know what the game is. It was fun in 1999. Would that arcade type style really resonate with you today? as a $70 game. Yeah, that's kind of the issue is are well, here's the question. Are all these games even full price? Cause I feel like some of these are just going to be, I kind of look at crazy taxi similar to cruise and blast. That's kind of what I'm picturing out of it. Kind of that, that sort of price point, that sort of depth to it. But what if they really did say, Hey, you know what? This is a live service game. 
and we're going to build on it going forward for years and years and years. And to me, if I can come up with microtransaction ideas for a game, I know it's on a whiteboard somewhere at these companies. Like Mm -hmm. they've obviously crunched the numbers and figured it out. If they can show you a screenshot of a game because they've at least greenlit that far. So that's my concern about crazy taxi and kind of jet grind radio. That's the other one. I'm like, Oh, are they going to do the whole thing where it's, Oh, it's all cosmetics, but we have an entire wardrobe of stuff to sell you. So that's, that's yeah. where I get a little like, Oh, okay. And that's the thing. Like Shinobi, it's going to be a nice contained single mm-hmm. player experience. It has a, it has a focus. Metroidvania they really thing? can't mess with. It looks like maybe it's be a Metroidvania. And whatever they do with Shinobi, I will be there day one. Like Crazy Taxi, right now it is targeting late 2024, but easily could be delayed to 2025. Oh, it is? Not if they haven't put that out officially. That's just some talk that's going around. And this if game, that is this the case. This game's late 2024, <laughs> the one I'm looking at right now. Oh, well, that's the target they had, but it's very likely will be delayed to 2025. Okay, I was so, gonna say it, it. It it looks very early on. Like for example, some mm. of the Jet Grind radio screenshots, the characters and like the footage, like the rest of them aren't animated. So it's pretty obvious they just took some stuff they had and they're like, here it is. But we're all too excited because we're like, wow, Sega's actually going back and getting these old properties. But I I guess Crazy <laughs> Taxi, depending on what it know. is, it may not need that long of development cycle, and that's, that's going true. to be the key thing. Is that how much variety are we going to have in terms of, I guess you could say, the taxis we're going to use? Are we going to have different mm. car types? What type of cities are going to be in? Because when you look at Crazy Taxi City now, it's exceptionally small. It's not a big city. Right. Are we going to have this huge open city with tons of different fairs? Are we going to have unique obstacles that we're going to encounter while we're playing? And the last Crazy Taxi game that came to consoles was Crazy Taxi 3 on the original Xbox. Oh, was it like High Rollers or something? Mm-hmm. I remember that game. And it embraced, you know, that arcade style fully. And then they never came back to it. No. Well, did, did they do it on self? I remember they did put Crazy Taxi on like Android devices, I think. They did the same thing with Jet Grind Radio. But they mm-hmm. never like built on it further for consoles. Or there was a double pack. It was a Dreamcast double pack for the 360 where they at least put it yes. on there. I remember, but mm-hmm. you're right. They didn't like go, okay, here's crazy taxi four or something, but right. They, they just kept revisiting those original games. I, the one that I'm really concerned about, and it's just because of kind of what it would look like is <laughs> it's, it's golden X, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I got a screenshot up for it now. I think my problem with this, what I've seen so far is it looks very bad. I mean, what's it? It looks very generic, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. My thing is, Golden Axe, I feel like now would be kind of hard to pick out of a crowd. I, I, there's nothing like if I show you a screenshot of something like this, if I didn't tell you it was Golden Axe, I feel like no one would say, oh, that's Golden Axe. No, I kind of feel like Golden Axe, maybe they should have considered going that. 2d route get the streets of rage 4 developers to take a crack oh, at it do yeah, a nice cool. a nice visual style good art and such a 3d golden axe not going to write it off yet we haven't seen sure really anything but that is not the direction i want to see golden axe take in the modern era and i can extend that to what we saw for the new streets of rage why is it 3D? You just had huge success with Streets of Rage 4. Why are you taking this into the 3D realm where it's going to need a lot of fine-tuning to bring into a 3D brawler? Like, 
look at that screenshot. Does that invoke you with confidence? That invokes me with a game that's probably going to be more budget priced. It's not I like I, I'm looking at a lot of these games. The only ones I could think of maybe being that full price, it's probably Jet Grind Radio. I'm I'm trying to think of anything else like Crazy Taxi. I'm thinking of like kind of that cruise and blast territory for it. I'm looking at this like this might be, you know, that Another $30, like $40 a... range. And uh, if they come in at that range, that's fine. It's just we have so few details on these games right yeah, now beyond the announcement that it's hard to get excited beyond just the promise that Cap uh, that's Sega is revisiting so many of their iconic franchises in new ways. I'm hopeful that these games do land and that they are you know, just high quality and they live up to their potential. But based on some of these preliminary pre-alpha screenshots and the lack of detail, I just have to approach with caution because this is Sega. Sega has disappointed us a lot over the last 20 years, and I'm not ready to just give them the benefit of the doubt because they are starting to appeal to my nostalgia. So Jet Set Radio, Shinobi, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Crazy Taxi, and more. So... They're doing something else, obviously. And in fact, on their investors card that showed these games already, they also like outrun on there and a few others. So I do wonder what people would like to see come back alongside of these these five. I I see Altered Beast get thrown around. I mean, if they're gonna do Golden Axe, <laughs> sure, try Altered Beast, I guess. I yeah. why not? Uh, I would love, especially after seeing a, a Shinobi. Would love to see Comic Zone. I think a Comic Zone will end up happening. I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the titles that's also in development under the and more here. 2D. I'm it's sure, got to say 2D. 2D. Yeah, of course. Like a Virtue Fighter, they did acknowledge yep. that they're trying to figure out how they could make it appealing to the modern day fighting fan because it's not flashy like a street, like a street Fighter game. You fireballs. You fireballs it. I guess so. <laughs> I, but, I don't think I don't think that's Virtual Fighter. I think that's the idea. Is well, that's not really what Virtual yeah. Fighter is. Uh, that that's tough. Maybe maybe just more stylized. I don't know. It has to be. It has to look flashy without being supernatural. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they could do something like that. I mean, Sega has a lot of potential with the IPs that they've been ignoring all these years. And yeah, so part of me wants them to do Skies of Arcadia. They yep, will never yep. do Skies of Arcadia, so I'm not <laughs> even going to hope for Skies of Arcadia. But it seems as though maybe this is that new era for Sega. And if this is the direction they go and they can reach the quality that these franchises really deserve, it could be an exciting time to be a Sega fan. It's just a question of will Sega deliver? When will they deliver? And... I just, I'm not, I'm just not willing to give them that benefit well, right now. I need, think, I need to see deliverables. I need one of these games to come out and deliver. And it's the first one should be Shinobi in terms of delivering. It's just the other ones have to follow. Do you think this is Sega casting a wide net right now to see what they get back in terms of another pillar IP? Because they said in that interview with Gene, uh, Gene Park, Washington Post, that they have three pillars they can count on right now and that's sonic like a dragon and persona all right mm -hmm. like all right great we have three we can work on these and they're doing spin-offs and releases all over the place for them i'm almost wondering if they're just in search of the fourth or fifth pillar and they're thinking let's get a bunch of these old games 
just throw them out there. Let's put some development behind them and see what happens mm-hmm. and what people cling to. So let's say Jet Set Radio comes out and it is popular. Maybe they can then build on that and all of a sudden it becomes their fourth pillar. And that's kind of what I'm reading into here. Maybe Shinobi. Uh, and maybe they're thinking, well, if some of these don't work out, whatever, as long as we find our fourth pillar, it'll be worth it to us. Yeah, I think that is exactly what they're doing here. Because when you look at what they have with the Sonic, the Persona, like a Dragon franchises, those are really their AAA pillars. They don't have much in terms of like AA efforts at this point. So even if Shinobi can come in as a high-end AA project that they can churn out a new entry every two and a half to three years to kind of supplement the gap between the new Sonic game or a new Like a Dragon or a new Persona game, that puts Sega in a nice position because now they have a nice stream of revenue potentially each year where they can alternate between, you know, Sonic this year, Shinobi, Like a Dragon, Crazy Taxi, Persona, some other franchise back to Sonic. Mm -hmm. And if they could go like kind of that Capcom route of every single year, we know we have a quality game coming out. The only issue I would see for Sega here is do any of these IPs that they announced have mass selling potential? Hmm. We remember them because we grew up with them, but we're going back 20 years with our memories of some of these games. The modern gamer doesn't have fond memories of crazy taxi. They don't remember Shinobi. The last Shinobi game was on the 3DS, and it's renowned for its difficulty. The prior Shinobi games, at least in terms of quality, may be the PlayStation 2 Shinobi. And again, that's going back 20 years. Golden Axe, I don't know if anyone really has fond memories of Golden Axe. I mean, someone does. Some people do somewhere. <laughs> I I think this. that's why it's perfect for Comic Zone. I feel like it could fit right in with those difficult games because that game was really difficult on the Genesis, but people love getting punished by all these souls games. I feel like you could revive that. And I think it would somewhat catch on. So depending on how, what it looks like stylized and all you know that sort of mm-hmm. thing, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see these older properties uh, attempt to get revived and see how the newer generation responds to them and what they, what they like and what they don't like. Cause that is kind of what's happening is we are c- we're sort of cycling a bit here with, with gamers, you know, where we have, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons Fortnite hit 44 million people in a day or something, because we, we, we do have newer gamers coming <laughs> who like, you know, those live service kind of games, free to play stuff. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing is that Fortnite entered the industry X years ago and it has retained its popularity. So as new gamers are being introduced into this entertainment form, one of their first games of entry is Fortnite. And it yep. just continues to gather new players. And that's where I could see Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio being those games as a service for Sega, where they just hope to bring in people and offer creative ideas and hopefully engage and keep that engagement with a player base. Because when you look at Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio, you could definitely appeal to that youth market, preteen, even into the mid to late teenage or even adults. It all comes down to the content that you are able to deliver through the game and how you expand the world and such. So I wouldn't be too surprised if those two games do go live service route. And that might disappoint some people, especially of our generation, who just wants a nice single player, cohesive, crazy taxi or jet set radio. 
But for the long term, that may benefit Sega more than releasing it as a $60 campaign-only title that we grew up with. So it's going to be interesting how they approach these games and really roll them out. I think Crazy Taxi, it's a battle royale then. Just 64 people, one city, four people to hey, pick up. Everyone just crash into each other. And yeah, do all pick kinds up of a bunch of people, whoever at the end has the most fare. <laughs> you crash into them and... The, you know, the passengers can bail the out. Coins on... fight. Yeah, they, they go flying out. You got to go yeah, get them. They bail out. Like, you're a terrible driver. I'm going in this guy's cab. Like, yeah, that's uh, right. You are. Let's see. see we if had... we're thinking of it, Sega's thinking of it. <laughs> yeah, it's on the whiteboard. The finals is out now. I downloaded it. I haven't played it. Let's see. The Last Campfire sounds like something that's going to get Hello Games into trouble again. That... You feel like they would have learned their lesson after No Man's Sky, and then they just basically said, we're making Earth. <laughs> I, well, I uh, guess it's a little uh, smaller than space, so they did downsize a little bit. I mean, visually it looks good, and it's all multiplayer, and the way they're describing it, it's going to be a planet, but actually the size of a planet. So it's it's going to feel really, really large to us if we're in, say, third person or first person with our own character. So, so is it going to be the scale? I think that's the idea. I think this is the scale. So let's just say, you know, we're on the northeast mm -hmm. of America or what the game's America. And I want to go to Europe. Is it actually going to take me days to get there i kind of think so unless they're like hey you can travel with super <laughs> speed video game speed or whatever i think that's the idea though is you can fast travel kind of like all right so remember starfield <laughs> you could it technically the distance between planets was accurate you could fly <laughs> there it just takes forever uh or you fast travel i almost wonder if they're going to do something like that i don't know it's i feel like that's what they were describing was it's this this we're made this earth or this planet and it's to scale and it's large and you and your friends just build civilization, explore and maybe solve some sort of story that they've put together for you. It could be like, yeah, the potential is there. It really just comes down to that execution. But if it really takes an in-game <laughs> time of, let's say, a week to travel across <laughs> a body of water where it's like, hey, what do you do? Oh, awesome. I'm traveling across the Atlantic. Where are you at? I'm kind of near where the Titanic sank. Like, how much longer you got? Three days. Like, cool. Like, what do you well, do? I just sit on a boat. We'll see how that goes. Lost Records, Bloom and Rage. It's from Don't Nod. I assume you'll play this. Yeah, it looks to be very in vibe with the Life is Strange style, kind of with a standby me tone to it. So I'll be a little okay. curious as to how the narrative of that game plays out when it does release. Let's see dragon ball sparking zero got the title finally finally i'm excited for it i will be playing this as soon as it comes out i think the art style is awesome and it looks like an arena fighter I, we, they didn't really show too much more than that it's it's it looks like what i was expecting in terms of the gameplay for tenkaichi uh mm -hmm. but there's a, many more details i need when it comes to kind of the I assume we're playing the same story we've played over and over again, but the my favorite part of the older Dragon Ball games was always the what if stories, that sort of thing, things away from the main campaign, the main storyline. So I'm curious if they play around with that and just have fun because they really started doing that like towards the end of those generations with like the PS2. And it, so I like what I'm seeing, but I would like to see more and I would like it to come out next year, but I'm kind of thinking it's not, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I'm thinking it comes out next year. Oh, okay, good. I think my only hang up on the game is that this would indicate to me that mm -hmm. we're not getting a fighter's sequel. You don't think so? I mean, they're they're different and enough, I feel. And the whole time we had fighters, we still got like Kakarot, didn't we? And we had like DLC constantly. Yeah, for that but thing. that was and... I mean, that's a single player game. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, I don't know how many people fight. Like, this is not a game that's going to go to Evo. <laughs> it's not. It's the, these no, arena fighters it, are not that involved. Yeah, this isn't a fighting game. This is. Action you don't need adventure. to really. Perf game, yeah, yeah, you don't need to perfect the combos and all. It's really just a very flashy. Yeah. Dragon yeah. Ball. You know, should have all kinds of RPG little RPG elements and stuff to it too for character building. And yeah, I mean, you can probably fuse Go Tanks and Frieza and make <laughs> free tank. Uh, those were those were funny stories too back then when they had just random fusions of characters. God. Uh, let's see. No rest for the wicked. Moon Studios. Big time, <laughs> big time announcement here. This looks. I, I rewatched it and it looks. I don't know. It's like a a dark fairy tale kind of setting. It's yeah, not exactly it's... the direction I thought Moon Studios was going. Isometric kind of mm -hmm. action RPG almost. Uh, it's, hmm. Yeah, very big, very big departure for Moon Studios. And I believe they had done interviews and had released statements going back to last year saying that this game will make or break them because it is a huge change and and shift for them from the Ori games. So it kind of reminds me a bit of Diablo and maybe a touch of Trine. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious to see the direction that this game does go because Moon Studios have released quality with oh, their yeah. first two titles, but this is such a huge departure from Ori games that I'm definitely curious if they get that gameplay down. It's definitely going to come down to the price point of the game. I don't think this game can come out like a full price $60 or $70. There's just too much competition in this genre, but definitely something that's going to have my, you know, my eye and interest as we get closer to its release date next year. Let's see. Then we had we see we, the problem with this show is there was a lot of stuff that was shown that was just like CG trailers. And I think those are the ones that people don't even remember, really, <laughs> because of that. Uh, Exodus, that was shown. Uh, Kimuri, that was also shown. OK, this OK, this one. Well, no, there's also casting a Frank Stone. That's a super massive game with the Dead by Daylight uh, uh, lore. Big Walk, that's from House House. That's your, those are your people, Nate. Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't quite having that feel that Untitled Goose <laughs> Game had. I mean, Untitled Goose Game came out of nowhere where you're just a smart ass goose causing yeah. nonstop havoc in this little village. And this one, it appears you're some sort of humanoid ant. I have no idea what was going on in that trailer, but uh, you can let us know, Nate, when it comes out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll probably give it a look just because it looks unique. The visuals, as far as the environments go, look very nicely detailed. And then the characters kind of look like something out of Bug Snacks. Almost looks inconsistent in terms of visual quality, but That's maybe the gameplay be loop is really good. Yeah. Okay, this one I thought was, this one's pretty cool. And I, I, I am curious how this turns out. Jurassic Park Survival from Saber Interactive. It looks like Alien Isolation mixed with Jurassic Park. Yeah, that was the tone I was getting from it as well. And if they can nail that, this could be a very promising Jurassic Park game because we have not had a good Jurassic Park game in 
maybe forever. It's been a bit. Yeah, this this would be cool, though, because every time you do like you do a dinosaur game, whatever it is, right? You just roll them with like a Gatling gun and just take them all out or whatever. Right. It's, you never feel helpless. That's the thing I really liked about Alien Isolation is I mean, you're genuinely running for your life the entire way. Right. Like you're, you're helpless. You're not the Xenomorphs wiping you out if it gets you. I like the idea of that being similar for uh, for Jurassic, mm-hmm. that that feeling of dread and always looking over your shoulder. That yeah. is a great idea. Because as they showed in the trailer, basically everything can hunt you, be it a Mm -hmm. a Dilophosaurus, be it a Raptor, the T-Rex. There's going to be basically everything can kill you on the island. And you're obviously going to have some sort of tools, be it a flare or such, that you're going to be able to use as an advantage to escape certain scenarios. Or you're going to use the environment to lock the Raptor in the freezer because the trailer basically was highlighting every iconic scene from Jurassic Park itself. So if they're able to nail that sense of dread and terror and just feel as though you are being hunted, this could go down as one of the best Jurassic Park games ever released. Because as you Mm -hmm. said, every time we get a dinosaur-based game, we're Turok. We're shooting them. We're killing them. And even if the game is supposed to be like, oh, you're hunted by this foe, you're always kicking ass. Now (laughs) Now we're finally just a human on an island with dinosaurs and we have to fight for survival so if they're able to nail that alien isolation tone this game could be special yeah and for a jurassic park fan this is exactly what we've wanted for years yeah you've released this around like that halloween time period and you'll be in you'll be in good shape with that absolutely i wish it were out this year for the 25th anniversary of jurassic park i mean i assume that's why they announced it here those kind of anniversaries always seem to, to work for these announcements. Visions of Mana. Square Enix coming in with a new game in the Mana series. The Mana, Mana series. Mana series. A new game. New game in it. And it looks, I mean, it looks good. And it's an Xbox. It's going to the Xbox. Look at that. Square Enix coming through. I mean, as expected, we know the relationship between the two companies has been mended and we're immediately seeing fruit. Hey, I I'm, I like what I'm seeing here. It's coming out next year as well. So I'm on board with that day one visions of mana. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Hellblade 2 was shown. Uh, they showed some combat. Still no release date. Just says 2024. Yeah, it was a little surprising that they opted to show the game a third time at the Game Awards. And once again, we do not have a release date. Just further commitment to 2024 though i feel this is deliberate i Mm, okay my gut feeling is that early next year microsoft will do a developer direct again similar to what they did this year and that's when we'll get a release date for hellblade 2 that works yep they i'm sure they have plenty of behind the scenes stuff they can show there so that to me would be one of the big announcements is it's coming out in so many months get ready it's going to game pass so yeah, and I would imagine that game is coming out in the first half of next year as well. Because I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, it can't be late next year. This is a game they announced with the Xbox. At that point, it would be five years ago. <laughs> so get that game to be your lead off of 2024. Set the tone of releases to come next year. Get people excited and be like, okay, we're already off to a better start than 2023, and we still have you know the possibility of Avowed and other games mm. coming out this year. This is the making of a fantastic year for Microsoft and a developer direct, let's say in late January, early February to set that tone. Let's go. Yeah. 
Let's see. We have a few here we can go through. Den of Wolves, uh, Outlast Trials, Black Myth Wukong, which that that actually is coming out in August next year. So that'll be good to see that game finally come out. I feel like that's been waved in front of us forever now. Uh, Tales of Kenzara. Kenzara? That is the 2D game that... uh, caught me off guard a little bit i'll admit when i saw it i was like okay and then they started showing more and more of it and i think visually it looks good i think the controls look i mean at least from what they were showing in terms of the gameplay it looks solid so i i think i'm gonna keep an eye on that one i might be giving that one a shot uh oh yeah so last sentinel the first descent see these are games that i i if i'm remembering right were like cinematic trailers mostly so it's it's kind of tough at times when you get some of these uh, Last Sentinel, First Ascendant, Exoborn, Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden. And then the first Berserker, Kazan, that actually looks pretty cool in terms of the art style. I will give him that. It's kind of like this realistic cel-shaded kind of look to it. So oh, I will uh, I'll keep an eye on that one. Usual June, Pony Island 2, Harmonium the Musical. That is going to Game Pass Day 1, by the way. They did show that windblown okay just windblown that is from that's from the developers of uh of uh what's what's that 2d the 2d roguelike game dead cells oh yeah dead cells dead cells yes so windblown i again i might give that one a look just because of the developers behind it Uh, we have thrasher and world of goo 2 were any did any of those stick out to you nate Thrasher, I will give a look to. They've detailed it on their website that it's coming to all platforms eventually, but it will come to PC and VR devices first. It reminds me a bit of Child of Eden and maybe a mix of Res. Mm -hmm. So depending on how the game really plays out, it could be another hit for them because Thumper was fantastic whether you played it in VR or on a flat screen. So definitely has my curiosity. And I do believe that the music composer and even the developer, they are from Rhode Island. So there are some local boys here. Um, Of the games mentioned, you know, Banishers, Mm -hmm. that game we've seen a few times now. It's from Dotnod as well. And I'm curious about that game and see how it's going to really play and such. They have shown a sizable portion of the cinematics and some of the gameplay. I'm still not sold on it, but visually the game looks quite appealing. And even, was it Harmonia? The game about the Death Girl? (laughs) Musical. Mm -hmm. It looks intriguing. And the fact that it's on Game Pass, I will probably give it a look just to see how that gameplay loop goes. Because what they show does look unique and seems as though it could be fun. And maybe the story and the narrative is emotional and is told very well, so... Something that I have my eye on and will likely give it a look when it does hit Game Pass. I will. I, I do want to point out Last Sentinel. That's one that caught my eye. That's the futuristic Tokyo style game. And that that is coming from some uh, former Rockstar developers. Hmm. So I, I'm at least intrigued by it. Again, it's tough when they don't necessarily show you a bunch of the game at once, but it just kind of sets the tone with that that look to it. I'm I'm interested. So that's one I will keep an eye on. That's Lightspeed LA is the studio behind that one, I believe. So, Nate, there were two announcements that I clearly left out of the, the whole list of games we just went through. They're both, we believe, Xbox games. 
but Microsoft didn't make it very apparent. The first one is Blade, okay, from Arcane Leon, and you had alluded to this multiple times. You believe it, you even mentioned it early on, days, I think a week before or something, on mm -hmm. your Nate the Hate podcast, that they would be there. And that's kind of where you left it. People were speculating about it. Is it Dishonored? Mm -hmm. uh, Deathloop 2? And then 24 hours before, people started posting emojis of, of knives and blades and stuff. And there we have it, Blade. It is, it is a thing. It looks like Microsoft got their Marvel game. And it's a third-person action game. They are very, very specific to confirm that it is third-person. Uh, and the game just started development. They said this on Twitter. So... Uh, it, it's going to be a while for this one, but some controversy here. There was no mention of Xbox at all on this thing. No logo flash when they were asked, is this exclusive to Xbox? They declined to comment. I, what, what's, what do you think is going on here, Nate? That's the big question now. People are trying to figure out what is happening <laughs> and is this exclusive to Xbox and Game Pass? I think it is a case of multiple situations at play. It could be that it is still an ongoing conversation with Disney about having it as a console exclusive mm. on just the Xbox brand. It could also be a situation of Microsoft doesn't want to commit to it being an Xbox only release in December of 2023 knowing the game isn't going to come out for another four, five, six years, who knows what the gaming landscape is going to look like in five years. That's true. Is, That's true. Is the Xbox brand going to be in a position of prominence where they could release this game exclusively and make back the budget? Or is this going to be a game that they're going to look at and say, we're going to keep this a timed exclusive, and then we're going to make it a multi-platform release because that is going to suit our brand in a favorable way. And given that we just had a CG introductory trailer, I think it is wise that Microsoft didn't come out and immediately attach their brand to it because we know Microsoft owns Bethesda. So obviously this game is going to be a day one Game Pass release, be it on the Xbox series or the console that comes next whenever this game does find its way to market. That's not something that we have to concern ourselves with. Now, if it goes multi-platform, it doesn't take away from that fact either. It's just a situation of we don't know what type of deal is or was discussed around this game. We don't know if Microsoft maybe has to pay Disney X amount of money to keep this game exclusive on their platform. We don't know all those background types of things that are ongoing here. But I think it's really a case of Microsoft doesn't know what the future of the landscape of the industry is going to look at when this game does come to market and there's no rush to have to rush out and say it's xbox exclusive wait until you show some gameplay and we get a deeper dive into what the game is going to be so when it's 2026 and we see the game for the first time with a gameplay demonstration that's when you come out and say exclusive on xbox series and next gen xbox and then people can have that conversation Right now, the conversation is definitely premature, but I also don't really get so much for the outrage around it. You know Microsoft owns the company. We also know Bethesda does largely operate somewhat independent where they have a little bit of freedom. 
But if the game does go to PlayStation, even if it is day and date with the Xbox version, it's still going to be there on Game Pass. How does it hurt Xbox as a brand in any way? So you as a fan, you can still play it on the Xbox. That's not going to be taken away from you. So I feel as though the fans who really seem to be the ones so concerned about whether or not it's exclusive, I just wonder why do you have so much concern? So here, here's the here's what I've seen, okay, why they'd be concerned is because Microsoft already kind of like they for some reason with the Xbox, specifically the console, it, I I feel like for a lot of these people, it doesn't feel like Microsoft is putting a lot of importance on the hardware of the system itself so much so that they don't even put the logo on certain trailers or or any of that. So it kind of feels like they sell the Xbox. They'll charge you for the online, that sort of thing. But it's like, well, you don't necessarily want to have too much focus on that, even with the brand itself. I feel like that might be the concern right now. And that's why you see people. It's like, what? Are they embarrassed to put the Xbox logo on it? Is that the thing? I mean, that's definitely not the situation here. Like, you know, a case of embarrassment. I think it just comes down to we don't need to put the Xbox on it. Mm -hmm. At least not right now. I mean, are you going to rush out and buy an Xbox Series X following the Game Awards because you saw the Blade trailer knowing the game's not going to come out until 2028? No, I mean, I would I would buy the Xbox when it's either out or it's coming out in a few months that holiday or you know, something like that. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the idea there, right? Is it... I feel like some people maybe saw that and thought it's out in like two years. And it's like, well, let, let's let's think maybe the possibility is there. This could be coming out next generation. <laughs> it, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, so I mean, it's I, a very that's a very real possibility. And I think that's where Microsoft is kind of considering that they don't. That could also be the other thing. Maybe they don't want to say it's coming to Xbox series, knowing it could come out on the next generation platform. And sure. maybe it ends up being exclusive. They don't want to get themselves caught in that situation of we promised it on the series X and S, but now it's going to come out on a next gen platform in 2029 and we're held back by the series S. It's and also worth, I mean, Halo infinite situation again. It's worth mentioning Nate, as you say that uh, we, we saw those Oh, I mean, they're probably outdated now, but those slides at least kind of what where their mindset mm -hmm. was. And it looked like they were thinking, let's go cloud plus hardware based. Like it's, it's both at the same time you use that doesn't seem like something that if blade was designed for that would necessarily be like, Oh yeah, we're also putting on the series X. It's like, no, no, we'd probably develop it for this new platform that we've created, but Oh wait, we locked ourselves into the series mm -hmm. X. So I guess we yeah. can't do what we want. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot of things that you have to weigh and consider here. And I get the knee jerk reaction is going to be a situation of well, why didn't you, why aren't you out there boasting that you have this new franchise exclusive to your brand, you know, Sony has Spider-Man. Now we have Blade and we're countering them. We also have Indiana Jones and such. We just don't know what's going on in the background. Be excited for the announcement. Be excited for the promise of what we might be getting with a third-person immersive simulator of Blade from oh, Arcane. Oh, great idea. This game could be phenomenal. This will likely be the best Blade game ever to release. I mean, it has and to be. It has to be the last, it was the yeah, PS2 I mean, the and the PS1. Those, were, those, those aren't yeah. good games. <laughs> I think it was on the Game Boy Color as well, where like Hal Laboratories yeah. was involved. Oh, Hal did do that, didn't they? Oh, that's so weird. That's so weird. Imagine working on Kirby in one cubicle and the next to uh, the guys like cutting up vampires and stabbing. Okay, them. what are you doing? I'm working on Kirby's suck animation. What are you doing? Cutting the head off a vampire. Like, okay. <laughs>
that uh, this th- this is also people need to realize this is the arcane this is not the arcane that just came out with redfall this is this is the different no, this brand this is the good this is the good arcane oh man this is a good arcane <laughs> this is the arcane that that would that did like deathloop like mm-hmm. deathloop was dishonored good. dishonored those are good games so i i am yeah. very intrigued to see them tackle this third person game by the way so interesting stuff that's going to be the really intriguing thing is that we know they are masters of the first person immersive simulator and they did put out a tweet saying we're going to take the first person immersive simulation concepts that we have perfected make it a third person action blade game and this is going to be a just a mashup of amazement They've already said the development team is doing some incredible things. They are all passionate about this project. They're all excited about this project. And that is a huge contrast to what we had heard about Redfall, where basically the entire development team didn't want to work on that style of game. And it clearly reflected in the quality. So when Blade does come out, it's going to be a game that the industry is going to stop and look and say, okay, let's see. Interesting I think you the, mentioned that, Nate. The... Hmm. Uh, the idea that people are excited to work on this game because mm-hmm. I'm also thinking, oh, you'll make that announcement even if it's now for five years for recruiting purposes. You'd be like, oh, well, I want to go work on that Blade game. Let me get my resume in. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons you announce games as far in advance is because it is a excellent recruitment tool. And I'm sure there are people who saw that trailer and heard the announcement and said, I want to work on a new Blade game. I'm a European-based developer. I'm in France. I need to send my resume to Arcane because I have ideas. I want to be part of this because this could be one of those career-defining games for some people. And it's just a shame that we have to wait five, maybe six years until we finally yeah, get the blood. Yeah, but I, I, I'm looking forward. This is this is such a cool idea. I really like it. I like Arcane mm-hmm. taking the helm on it. I like the idea of Blade getting another shot at a video game since the the PS2 days. It's just it it's a it's a movie and an intellectual property. I was Marvel and everything that feels like one of the most video game. Yes. Concepts like the, the whole yes. thing. You, you see the way everything about mm-hmm. it is like, well, that could be a video game that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm looking and at this like, this, this should be awesome. That's the thing. I think even going into it, the only concern would have been, is it going to be first person or third person? And the second that they confirmed this is a third person blade game. It was okay. All my concerns are now gone. People cheer because for that. a first person one would have been kind of weird. Yeah. But a third person, I just want the first gameplay demonstration to be a club scene right oh, from the first movie. I want sprinklers complete, go off. Yeah, I want to see the blood sprinklers. <laughs> I want to have the dance house music going. And I just want to see Blade dissecting vampires and cutting heads off and going crazy. Because that'll be the moment I just Steak pause gun. and say, <laughs> yeah, and they just boom, burst in the blood. Like, this is the greatest game of all time. Oh, that'd be but cool. We have to wait so long. And I mean, they you know, are very clear, very transparent of let us cook. You're not going to hear from us again for yeah. a long time. You know, what I just realized Redfall, of course, got beat down a lot. Dude, the animation when you kill a vampire, it's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing from Blade where they like just disintegrate in ash. They already got yeah. that figured out. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they're going to maybe do some little in-game reference to Redfall and just some fun little way between arcane studios where maybe we you know kill a vampire or one of the main heroes from redfall just as a joke (sighs) i 
I'm happy that we're getting a Blade game. I'm uh, sad that it's going to be a long time, but it's something to look forward to. So there you go. Microsoft yeah. figured out their Marvel game, at least one of their Marvel games. I think there's still room to get another, but that's a good start. It's a good start. Mm-hmm. The other announcement, which was borderline ridiculous as it was happening, was OD. Kojima has presented his game that is in collaboration with Xbox Game Studios with their technology, with the cloud computing. He showed a trailer that showed us really nothing. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone got anything out of that, but I understand it's a horror game. That's the idea. People are <laughs> like reciting stuff and they scream because somebody comes in the door. Uh, horror game. Kojima. Finn. Sure. There you go. Okay. Jordan but, yeah, so this is a this is an odd one, right? So Kojima comes out, <laughs> all right, out of the door. By the way, reference to PT, I think. I think that was the idea there. It comes out of the door. It seemed as though it was a reference to PT, yeah. Yeah, he still he needs to let that he needs to let that hurt go. All right, he's just he's, he's still going on with that. Hey, PT, uh, now he goes to OD. Konami's not allowed to be at the Game Awards at all. Like they've lost at this point with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> They, anyway, he comes out of the door, talks about his game. Jordan Peele comes out of the door, says he's here to help make the game that is a movie, but also a game. And then they just say it's a new form of media. So I have no idea what's happening with this thing. Do you I, I find know. it a bit concerning that they had to clarify it is a game? I find it a bit concerning that we're just letting Kojima hook himself up to this powerful cloud-based computing device that is able to most likely also use Microsoft's AI. We all realize this, right? Kojima is going to get access to cloud computing with Azure and AI that's being developed to a point where he might just create consciousness for all we know at this point. Who knows? So I don't know. Kojima, Kojima's he's got some wild ideas. So I, I'm curious was, yeah. while being concerned. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of the thing is that whole presentation, which was the longest segment of the entire game awards. They rushed everyone off stage, but they gave Kojima 10 minutes to explain basically nothing because throughout yeah. that whole explanation, we didn't come to any clarity as to what OD actually is beyond it is using cloud and it's a new interactive media that's a game that no one's ever done before and jordan peele and other people are also part of this collaboration which on paper wow that sounds very exciting sure yeah but we need deliverables what is this game going to be and a lot of the excitement is just based around the idea that this is kojima kojima typically does deliver (laughs) a wild amazing concept but what be unique is this (laughs) Well, there's no here's, question it's going to be unique, but is it going to be good? Here's my concern. I think he's so I think if he explained it to us, we would just be like, what? That's it. Like, all right. So think about Death Stranding. If he came out and told you the core concept of Death Stranding and said, you deliver packages, that's it. You're just like, what? But then it's like, oh, there's also the strand system. Also, there are these moments of self-reflection as you're going through it. And I've done a lot right. of the atmosphere and this. Mm-hmm. And there's a story element here. And all of a sudden, there's this part that if I actually say it now that I'm thinking about it, it would spoil everything for people. You, you, there's a lot to it, right? Other than just oh, yeah. you deliver packages. Uh, that's kind of what I think is happening here. 
is that it's a basic concept if he just read the top line of the script to you and the summary but then there's all this other stuff to it that is incredibly difficult to explain and i feel like kojima is going to kojima this whole thing up and apparently deliver a new form of media i don't know what that is maybe it's things can change in real time as it goes because it is able to use cloud computing and can tap into real time data that's happening in the world. Maybe he is going to use AI in some fancy way or something. And Microsoft is developing that heavily now. And he's like, cool, I can go. That'll, that'll help me. That'll do more. I, I don't know. I have no idea what's happening with this thing, but we have the title. It's OD. We have a couple of Mm -hmm. an actor and actress, whatever, just screaming at a door opening yeah, I mean, it definitely has people talking, and most of that talk is, what the hell is this? And I guess that's good. You have some press going around as far as conversation. It's just a question of, we know you're working on Death Stranding 2 as well. When are we going to see something tangible from OD? Is it going to be what gamers in general want from Kojima, or is this going to be a very artistic out there surreal type experience which can be rewarding in its own way but you have to imagine if you're microsoft you have secured kojima on an exclusive release this is something you want to score high on metacritic you want the media to praise and review and get excited over what we know about it so far is just confusion and we were confused with Death Stranding. We were all we expecting were. a twist to come with the game where everything that we were seeing was going to have a Metal Gear Solid 2 tanker moment and the tanker never came. So we just need to see what this game is. We need to see it in motion beyond three faces screaming at us after reciting a sentence. Because right now, if you watch that trailer again, you're going to walk away and say, I don't know what the hell. How far if you if, think if we that were in a game? modern art museum and it was just on a loop, <laughs> I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. How far out do you think we are for this game? The hopeful side of me says early 2026. Wow. So, Based on nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's that's the thing. It's like we believe this is a, a game for this current Xbox, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing. It's like, I, I, I mean, I guess if it's cloud-based and my my other question is, do you think this is going to stay within the game or do you think he's going to fulfill his original thought, which apparently at one point he wanted like the game mm-hmm. to, to text message you and email you. Do you think he's going to achieve the dream of fusing his game with basically the real world? Do you think he's actually going to be able to do that in this case or will he keep it within the bounds of the game? I think the only thing containing Kojima is going to be Microsoft. And I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft just gave him free reign. I feel like they're going to anything. Yeah. Like, Hey, is your windows 10 account that you're logged in on your Xbox, the same as your PC, because Kojima is going to send you an email or you're going to turn your PC on and a person's going to scream at you. And it's going to be like, what the hell is going on? We saw some of the leaked gameplay that came out last year where the individual was filming it off the screen and the guy had no shirt on. Remember that? (laughs) It was like the highlight of the video that we just saw some dude sitting there on a couch with no shirt on, filming it with his phone. That was so weird. I mean, that could have been a proof of concept, but... Yeah. It's definitely Uh, a game I want to see and learn more about. It's just a... 
What am I supposed to walk away with? Well, OD, he gave us the title and Jordan Peele. There you go. And I'm curious who else he's collaborating with because there's a lot of very creative horror type creators out there. Like, is he going to collaborate with Guillermo del Toro? Is he going to go out there with, I mean, there's a laundry list of people you could name. Is Norman Reedus in this game? I hope not. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. I, you know what would be really cool is if we do get to a point where they do one of their their uh, their developer directs, and we actually go to Kojima's studio. I think that'd be kind of cool, like if they did that. But that's probably way way off in the distance. So we will uh, we'll stay tuned on that one. I well, I did want to get our final thoughts on the Game Awards show, just from a bird's eye view. What, what you thought of the show in general and maybe even what the game awards has kind of become. Cause I see that coming up a lot right now online is uh, the idea of the, the chasing of the movie industry and the Oscars. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, Nate, where we are with the game awards? It's, it's so commercialized at this point where the awards are just in the background. And this year really illustrated that the fact that they gave them 30 seconds to give an acceptance speech while the introduction to the award took more time than the winner had to thank people. It's all about ads. It's just a pure marketing spectacle. And, you know, that's fine if you go into it understanding that's all it is. But the same criticisms that we've said year in and year out is that the show needs to be reduced. It needs a reduction to two hours. Because up to the two-hour point, I think most people were saying, this is well-paced, I've been enjoying the show, and then you discover you have another hour to go. And it's just too much. It drags on for too long. So reduce the show, do a nice tight two hours, and you know you already do the half-hour pre-show. If this is meant to be a celebration of the industry, then let it be a celebration of the industry. Let the content creators, the developers, the publishers come out. Let them thank their communities. Let them thank their families and everyone who allowed them to create the art that they have. But until then, this is just pure commercialism. That focus is showing you a trailer of the next game that you should have interest in and buy in the next couple of months. Which, again, it's a fine, we we have those types of shows throughout the year. And Jeff's never going to change. This is what he wants to deliver. He thinks it's well. He makes a lot of money doing it. And unfortunately, the industry will continue to embrace it because he gets hundreds of millions of eyes on it every year. And it is a good place to market your next game. I mean, I, I think I'm going to, I'm probably going to say something that you're, you're, no, you're definitely not going to agree with <laughs> the, uh, I feel like the, the award show doesn't look like a gaming event at all. And it's really, I, I mean, it started out as trying to be this big Oscar. It was trying to basically replicate the Oscars for games. It was pretty obvious. That's what Jeff wanted. And it's obvious now that games has just surpassed Hollywood and, and, and really now you see people from movies and Hollywood come to games. They show up on the gaming stage now. It's so I kind of look at this and wonder if it needs to be the spectacle that it is in terms of it's what it looks like. Does it, does it have to look like 
a gaming Oscars or could it be pulled back a bit? You throw some couches on the stage and you just have like a, like something that looks like a gaming award show, something that we wouldn't look at and go, okay, well you don't need to like, is it, does anyone else think it's weird that you can't, you don't go to the gaming, you don't go to the gaming award show with a gaming shirt on. You go with a, a, a tux. Anyone else think that's weird? I mean, I imagine it's just a bit of professionalism from the side. But I mean, the thing is, that's not those aren't the the people who make the games are wearing like their their ACDC shirt or their or their or their layer. Well, I mean, Boulder's Gate shirt. They're wearing whatever you know. Whatever the guy from Boulder's Gate from Larian walked up in a suit of armor. But that, but that, (laughs) but people notice and they're like, that's kind of weird. Why is, he, why is he that should be like oh yeah look, he's in that suit of armor again all right that's it. like it should be like yeah. normal to be you wear you go there and you wear something you'd expect at a video I game think... award show and it's like right. everyone's renting tuxes and suits and ties and maybe it's me because i'm not the biggest like professional dresser you'll wear like a vest to a convention mm-hmm. or something you're probably like i'm there i'm get i'm gonna get my my best uh suit on and stuff I, yeah. it just it feels very stuffy for giving out awards for video games. I don't know. That's me. It just, when I see that, it's like, I mean, some of these games, the stuff you do in it, it's like, is it, is, is it this professional or am I just, am I just thinking wrong? Well, I mean, I think that's part of the thing is that the show itself has an identity crisis. It doesn't know if it wants to be taken seriously or if it wants right. to be casual. And it always finds itself somewhere in that middle ground in the pre-show how many cringy jokes were told? They just weren't funny. They weren't landing with anybody. And if you want to go that route, you can. But it's also the reason why so many people say the award show, as far as the game awards go, is the least important. People look to DICE and so many other award shows that come out actually in the new year, be it March or even April and May, so that every release of the calendar year can be considered. And then it's voted on by the industry. It's voted on by peers. It's not voted on by a select group of jury that one individual decides on. Like Jeff is the gatekeeper to everything here. So if Jeff doesn't know who you are or doesn't like you, you're not on that jury. Well, that's not yeah, I don't fair. See, I don't see Konami going to the show. Mm-hmm. You think there's a reason for that? <laughs> Yeah, maybe it had something to do with that speech you gave one time. I, you know, if Konami would stop messing around, I would like to see them get a game that is too, it's too good to ignore for game of the year. And I just, I just want to see what happens. I <laughs> want to see what happens. Year, I just want to see. It goes to Metal Gear Solid Delta. Yeah, but like, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious if, because obviously we know Jeff is he's not he's not having konami at that place like we already know this and i'm just i'm just curious something like that comes up if he lets that slide or if that is like you say a moment where he he pulls the gatekeeper role i don't know i i don't i don't know jeff personally on that so i like to think he would step out of the way and be like well i gotta be unbiased here and let it through but mm-hmm. then we all see you said kojima take up like 10 plus minutes on stage saying nothing so i i don't, I don't know i don't yeah, know i mean even did you see Jeff's giddiness during the whole Kojima segment? He was. Hey, so did you see his happy. giddiness? Or, all right, so I'm confused about this one too. You're right about that, but like, <laughs> you're supposed to rent a nice tux. You're supposed to show up with the professionalism, and then we have 
the Muppet running around the stage. And Jeff is like, dude, you see, he's having the time of his life up there with Gonzo, like sprinting around. He's like <laughs> laughing at everything. And it's like, I thought this was serious. And then we have the guy come up from Arcane who's really excited, does the karate kick, boom, hits like head height. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then it's like, okay, now everybody fix your ties. Let's talk about the best yeah. art direction for games. It's like, oh, that's the thing. I thought we were just I thought we were having a party here. What happened? That's the thing, is that I feel as though when it was in its genesis back on the spike tv days and game trailers day mm-hmm. they went too casual to the point where you were watching the show saying this is embarrassing if i'm a gamer remember when they had samuel l jackson as a baby he threw a grenade at somebody in the crowd i remember that <laughs> yeah then you had the guy teabagging dancers on stage well it, it was, was, it was a different of, time <laughs> yeah it was a different time but you kind of watched it even when we were you know young at that time saying what the hell is this and now they've gone so far the other way but still trying to incorporate those weird gaming jokes that aren't funny that you just sit there watching and you're not smiling you're not laughing you're just sitting there saying what the hell and they need to figure out really what the show is going to be if you just want to make it all about new reveals trailers and a handful of awards fine do it make it 90 minutes and no one will have an issue with that let the bigger award shows dice and such be the ones that have the respect and the attention as far as the industry is concerned Mm. if you just want to do a spectacle show people aren't going to object make it the summer games fest of december just don't try to come out here thinking you are the oscars of the gaming industry when you're not even you're not even the golden raspberries. Why do we have to be though? Shouldn't the Oscars want to be the gaming, like the gaming community? Like this industry is the biggest. Why wouldn't they want to be the gaming industry? I don't understand. It, it seems weird to me where you just chase the Oscars for it. Is it gaming that's chasing the Oscars or is it Jeff that's chasing? I, Cause it feels like it's Jeff that it's really Jeff, wants to be the Oscars. And it's like, yeah, why? it's Jeff chasing the Oscars <laughs> instead of just coming up with an award show that the industry can be proud of, that it has its own identity. Yeah. Just don't throw grenades at the crowd. Like Samuel yeah, Jackson. Don't did throw and... grenades and have Schick hydro bot walking around. And... I think he could still have the same amount of viewers. If he rented out the set for big bang theory and they sat up there and did, awards you know like the the typical college looking living room kind of thing and they have a smaller live audience that you get better crowd reactions out of you put microphones all around so you get the big pops and stuff and i feel like you would have the same amount of people tuning in for that as opposed to spending a fortune for the stage and all this other i don't know to me i feel like you could tone it down a bit and it would still do just as fine and in fact i think it might even be better just because of the one, the security would be better, obviously, because it closed down a bit. But uh, two, I, I think you would have a more, I don't know, video game feel. To, that's, the, that's the only way I can describe it. More of a video game feel rather than just, oh, this is this is very professional. I should probably make sure my, my shirt is absolutely clean on it, spill mustard on it or something. It's, uh, I don't know, it, it um, yeah, it informal just has, versus formal kind of thing, right? Yeah, it just has no identity of its own. It, yeah, yeah. It's a weird type of limbo situation where it's chasing something else while trying to be its own thing and instead you just get a gray mess yeah i'm not I just, I'm watch not sure it every year be. but yeah yeah i mean let's be real though a lot of people watch it for the the reveals like if it was an award show you might check who won the next day or something but i don't not as many people are going to tune in obviously so 
but that's the thing yeah. you, you got you got the reveals people will tune in for it so yeah that's and that's the thing you really just watch for the reveals and maybe game of the year and that just comes down to that point of make it an hour and a half two hours at max it doesn't need to be a three and a half hour show yeah yep. it's too so. much but I feel like that's a way you could tone it down to two hours by maybe scaling back a bit and making it more like a look more like a gaming show, a showcase, a gaming award show, as opposed to an Oscars award show that gives out gaming awards. Well, that was the other thing. Like the show had breaks. What are you taking a break from? I don't know. Well, the Gonzo has to get set up. It's like that kind of stuff, right? You got to set up little set pieces here and there, and they people have to set move up Gonzo. And... They can't set up Gonzo while someone else is on stage doing the award that takes 25 seconds, or they're showing a world premiere. They can't get Gonzo all set up during that. They had it's also ads. So let's be real. The whole <laughs> show is an ad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're technically tuning in to watch commercials. Let's be real. But uh, it, what's the other part's interesting before we move on is it's a little surprised at the backlash. Christopher Judge got for his joke. Uh, I, mean, I I I get where the backlash is coming from. There's a time and know. place for certain jokes, and I don't think that was the time and place for it. But is this a serious show or is this not a serious show? I don't know. What if? Hold on. If Gonzo told the joke, would it have been a problem? I think the comment still would have got a problem. I don't think people take the issue with Christopher Judge saying it as much as just that it was said i mean someone else wrote that form it's not as though he came up with it at a what if he then had said, six or seven jokes after that just across the industry make it there was like a little roast session he, rather than just singling one studio or, or company out with call of duty you think if he then went after for example if he made a joke about every game that's in the game of the year convert like nomination right like so at that uh -huh. the oscars usually there's a comedian that'll do all kinds of jokes it's like, what if, what if you had somebody that also did that for fun as like a host or something? I think if you were to do it for every game that was nominated for game of the year, and it was kind of relate to the companies ahead of time saying, Hey, we're going to make some jokes at your expense. They're going to be light. They're going to be, you know, good humor. Fine. When you look at call of duty. Yeah. The joke was innocent enough. It just doesn't feel as though it was the right time for it. And it didn't land well it was kind of a situation where if you're the developer and we've seen the leaks about that development for that campaign where it was very brief it was a crunch type of project if you worked on that game and you know it's not your best effort and you hear that joke come out are you laughing or are you kind of saying to yourself fuck you i'd be like oh man like, that right. wasn't a that good was a point of my campaign. life like i didn't oh, well. enjoy those 13 months working on that and you're gonna come out and say oh it wasn't even that long <laughs> it's like like it's an innocent enough thing i just don't think it was the right time and place for it to be fair call do you still gonna sell a stupid amount of copies yeah it will it also feels as though maybe some of the dismissal over the outrage is strictly because it is a Call of Duty game, where if this joke was made about something more prestigious, imagine if he came out and the joke was about Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. I'd probably mocking laugh some minuscule flaw, <laughs> but you'd have more people come out saying, I'm outraged by this because he made fun of the game I like. It comes down to Call of Duty, Activision, 
it's they're the easy targets to say, oh, shut up, deal with it. What because if he it's said, a game hey, that not many people are going, they won't openly admit they love. But if it's a Nintendo, Sony, or like a Microsoft AAA game that they went after, people would be like, whoa, that went too far. What if he said my speech, my long speech last year broke more rap- records than Swords and Zelda? Because eh, you see, that's not really, that's just referencing a mechanic. Well, hold on. Call of Duty being short might not be a bad thing. Some people might be like, you know what? Oh, I'm I'm happy that game wasn't that long. That was great. You know, it's, it's perfect length. Three hours. Right. <laughs> perfect length. <laughs> I think it's it was just bad. a situation said, where you look at short. <laughs> I think it just comes into it wasn't supposed to be a campaign. This was something they tacked on. They rushed it so much that the development team, you know, their hearts wasn't they weren't in it. It was something that they were dictated to do by management. So to come out and you have your work impugned with this kind of just childish joke, it was like, eh. Let's be real. Redfall was right there. They could have made fun. He could have made fun of that. Yeah, you could have gone after. Yeah, you could have tried Redfall. It just. Different time, different place. Maybe the joke would have been a little better or maybe a different. I don't know. Some of those jokes at the Oscars after. are pretty rough. Some of them are. Bad, I mean, there's some pretty bad stuff going on there sometimes when they tell those jokes. Like, whoa, yeah. okay. That's why Ricky Gervais isn't allowed anymore. Well, Jeff Jeff Keeley uh, runs the show there, so maybe maybe you should get a new host or something too. Just do a different host. I think that's something that people would definitely welcome. Is that Sean Jeff doesn't need to be the face and voice of every single award show? It's like we get it. It's a Jeff Keeley production hosted by Jeff Keeley. Produced by Jeff Keeley, directed by Jeff Keeley, written by Jeff Keeley. Like, yeah, we know. You're the Kojima of award shows. <laughs> mm. like, you have to put your name on everything. Step aside. Well, that was the award show. Pretty good for Microsoft, I think, with some of the reveals and taking home three awards. So not too bad. But that is, I think that's going to do it today for this episode. Direct Xbox number 10. Nice hour 40 or so there on that one. So on the longer side but there's a lot to go over so fun stuff we do have i think that is the next one our last podcast of the year yes i think it is to wrap up 2023 so we'll come up with some fun stuff there if there isn't like a ton of news or anything to go over maybe we'll dive back into some of the xbox history we can look back on some of the older games or maybe talk about some fun christmas memories uh for the xbox and and that sort of thing but uh, that's uh, that's going to do it here. Make sure you check out SpawnCastNetwork.com or Patreon.com slash SpawnCast. That's Nate the Hate. Make sure you check him out over on his channel. So I'm sure he'll have his own podcast that'll go up. Probably at least one more this year, you think, Nate? Yeah, probably one or two. Won't be anything in the coming week because MVG is traveling for the holidays. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next time.